Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your one-stop shop for raising kids in this tech-heavy world. We bring on professionals and experts to give you all the tools you need to help your kids become fire-breathing warriors that have the strength to break out of the mold society has put them in. At the end of the day, we're all here for one reason, to help save some kids. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your host, Nate Webb, live in studio, Salt Lake City area, and we got a show for you today. Um, today, we have with us a whole panel of moms who got teens and tweens and everything in between um, who are raising kids right now in this tech-heavy world. And we're going to talk about the triumphs, the trials, um, share our knowledge, and just talk about what it's like right now in this crazy world. Um, first, I want to introduce everybody right now. Um, starting over here, we'll just go all the way across. Tell us your name and who you are and how many kids you got and all that good stuff. Okay. So I am Ashlyn Nelson, and we are a nutrition company is like primarily what we do for business. But between my husband and I, we've got eight kids ranging from wow. 22 to 10. To 10. Uh-huh. Holy so smokes. So he had five and I had three. Man. It's like, is that an 80s movie? The years, when I said earlier, yours, mine, and ours. There's a movie. I say it's an old movie, and that's going to make you guys feel old, and I'm sorry. But but yours, mine, and ours are a a blended family, and it's a very cute movie. Anyway. When we first got married, everyone was like, you're the Brady Bunch. And then we realized, oh, they only had six kids and had an Alice. (laughs) We have eight and no Alice. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. And then we got... Hi, I'm Brooke Anderson, and I am a mother of four boys, ranging from almost 22 down to 15. Oh my gosh, boy mom. Boy oh mom. Oh gosh, All I have way. three boys myself. I even have a necklace that says boy mom. Man, <laughs> That's what man. I, am. I know. Have, have you filled your deductible this year for your health insurance? Because no. Oh, knock no, on wood. Knock on good. wood, guys. <laughs> my middle boy, he does his best to try and fill up our medical deductible every single week. It's like, okay, God made two year olds so they can just fall on their faces and hurt themselves <laughs> all the time. All right. And then we got next over here. I'm Valerie Housley. We have five kids and they range from 16 down to five. So we like to say that we're in the trenches. Yes. Holy smoke. So we got, you got high schoolers, what, 16? So that's a junior in high school? Sophomore. A sophomore in high school, clear down to like just barely starting kindergarten? Just sent my baby to kindergarten. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you are in the trenches. My oldest just started kindergarten and my wife and I, well, mostly my wife, was a mess for like a straight week. And now it's like, oh my gosh, I can do things now. Um, and then over here, we got my friend. Um, I'm Brooke Romney. I'm a writer and I have four boys also. Um, my oldest is married, so I also have a grandbaby girl. Oh my goodness, your so grandma! Fun. Yes, your so grandma. Fun. That's so awesome. And then I've got an 18 year old, a 16 year old, and an 11 year old. Holy smoke! So, of you guys, does everyone have at least one person in high school right now? Then, yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. That's. Mm. And then we got high schoolers. Do we all have a middle schooler too? No, because you're young. Is your youngest in high school, Brooke? My youngest is in elementary still. Elementary. In our district, we're still in elementary at six in sixth grade. So. Okay, okay, gotcha. So we have we have the we have the gambit. We have elementary, middle, high schoolers. We have it all. So of of your guys' kids, how many of you guys had those um, had a kid that like when f- smartphones first came out and got a smartphone in the beginning? In the beginnings, yes, I did. Yeah, For sure. Okay, what, what was your guys' experience with that? Okay, well. Uh, at first I didn't really think it was that big of a deal for my oldest son. He just had fun, you know, communicating with friends. I really didn't see 
too many negative things for him. It was with my second son that I started seeing some negative things. I started seeing him uh, post really dorky things that were super immature that I was like, okay, that doesn't need to be out there in the world, first of all. But then I would look at his uh, messaging and I once saw him like kind of calling someone out for liking his girlfriend or whatever. And, it, you know, it. I kind of was like, okay, you can't do that over, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And right. so um, it did become a problem with my second son and we ended up taking it away from him and he has never asked for it back. Really? And he's now 19 years old and he doesn't have any social media other than Facebook now. So Does he still have a smartphone but chooses not to have social media? Yeah. So the social media was probably the biggest issue for him. We Mm -hmm. didn't see major issues otherwise, but um, that was a big issue at first. So uh, how long did he have like social media and phones and stuff before like you started having issues to the point where you had to take it away? Uh, I would say it was pretty early. He got a phone in seventh grade and got social media immediately immediately and that's when we saw it so he just wasn't mature enough right to right. handle it and i mean thir- i mean they're rated for what 13 plus right and then 13 yeah. year olds hmm, hmm, hmm. yeah and and later in life we did see he spent a lot of time like looking at sports things he right. loves sports which i didn't feel like was overly concerning to me other than him spending a lot of time on it mm-hmm. but i didn't feel like it was neg- necessarily bad okay it was just more time wasting right right right. time consuming yeah 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 no totally totally we all go down those those rabbit holes right that can like just consume our lives well what about you brooke yeah so my oldest we act it's funny i had a bad feeling about cell phones from the beginning Mm -hmm. so he just had a flip phone um in junior high and then when we got the cell phone, like I tried to do all the lockdown stuff. But She's like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I have a bad feeling about I this. I did. I just was, I just knew, I actually wrote an article that got published in the Washington Post about how we need to get cell phones out of schools, like way back when, I think it was, I don't even remember, maybe 2017. Wow. Um, it just didn't seem right uh-huh. for kids to have that much access to yeah. so many things. Um, but the cool thing is, is every kid is so different and some are really savvy and smart and they figure out a way anyway. Yep. And back then there were very few controls. Um, screen time wasn't really even a thing on Apple. I mean, screen time Um, is new relatively, relatively. Um, we got our packed, which was one of the first like control systems, but when there's a will, there's a way. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, we went through all of the things like burner phones and, you know, not being able to have social media and erasing things and hiding things. So it was, it was never a great option Man, back then. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. And then, so with you guys, with, 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 with is Ashlyn, oh gosh. And, and, and Valerie, oh gosh, guys, I remember two people look at me. Um, it's easy because these two are both Brooke. Um, <laughs> but so, but with you guys, what has your guys' experience been with like smartphones and your family and things like that? Because you guys have really, really, really young kids still. We'll start with you, Valerie. Well, so it's interesting as I listened to the Brooks talk. We lived in Colorado and we moved to Utah in 2020. Colorado. Okay. Go Broncos. Just kidding. (laughs) In Colorado, iPads were just starting to roll out to Mm. schools. Okay. And then at the time, my oldest was in elementary school and I was the 
loudest voice against iPads because I felt it was too much, too young. Mm-hmm. They were going to roll it out. And, you know, my concerns were, what about the bus? Who's supervising that? Why are we, you know, they're too young to handle this. And they actually paused the iPads. Really? Wow. Well, then fast forward to moving to Utah, the iPads are already in the schools. Right. And at that point, I felt like... With a vengeance. Like, <laughs> I had no grounds, no, nothing to say. Right. You, you had no roots here. You were, you were, you were fresh pickings here. It was here. already, you know, that car was rolling. And right. There was... So, coming into that, our oldest got a phone in seventh grade. Huh. But I felt like he wasn't really into social media. For him, mm-hmm. so he's now a sophomore, we have now just recently of approach the social media topic right um he's got friends who will text and say hey you i get this app let's do this app let's do this app and our screen time controls is he has to ask permission for the apps which is and good I always ignore them <laughs> and they just keep coming and i just ignore and i think no i'm not doing that i'm not doing that but it's gotten to the point now where it's no mom i want this i want to talk about this i want it want to get it right and so we have had to, like, I feel like tiptoe into it. Right. Having um, some conversations about it. Having conversations about it. He, so our conversation was, so this last summer he had, like, his first full-time job. And I said, or I should say my husband and I said to him that if you show some responsibility, you know, you get yourself up, you get yourself to work. He, did, he was golf course maintenance. And he had to be there at 545 in the morning. I was going to say, there's some early golfers, dude. And I mean, and it was it was hard work. It was long work or long hours. And I kind of felt like, you know, we'll see how you do with this. If Mm -hmm. you complain about it, if you have a bad, you know, bad attitude about it. But he was great. And I said, if you get to the end of the summer, then we'll talk about getting be real. Okay. And so we got to the end of the summer and that request came right through and he's like, okay, mom, it's time. And it was almost like, oh, I have to do it I have it to now. eat my words. Oh, dang it. And I was like, okay, well, I have to get be real now because I want to see what right. you post. And so, you know, now my 10-year-old is taking my be reals because I don't care. Right. But at the same time, like, yes, I can see my son's post, but I can't see what he is seeing. Right. So... We're trying to figure it out. Right. That's, yeah, I feel that. I feel that big time. And I will note my middle schooler. So screen time is great, but I also don't know everything about it. So mm-hmm. I found with my seventh grader, so he's 12, that, and I'm not quite sure because we, like, we have safer kids. Right. I have not figured out how to do it yet. So I'm paying for something that I'm not even using <laughs> because it's pulling in my text messages instead of my kids. Oh, and like my 12 year old, because I've downloaded Be Real, it's allowed him to download it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe not the smartest. He friend requests me on Be Real. (laughs) Actually, that's I mean, on his part, probably not the smartest thing. But for you, that's awesome. And so I'm like, "Um, excuse me, what is this? And he's like, well, I downloaded it, but I deleted it. And I'm like, well, how did you even download it? And he goes, because you've already downloaded it. Right. And so it triggers all these, oh, you have access to quite a few more that I'm not aware of. Because it's on your phone, it can be on theirs. Yeah. Gotcha. It's It's tricky navigating tech in a family. And especially you, Ashlyn, you have a blended family, right? Yes. Tell us about that and how that experience has been. So we have two really different experiences. So I'll speak to the experience that I've had with my kids first. Um, They were, all my kids were given phones, probably way younger than they should have been. 
Um, and no, I didn't really have a say in it. It, right. it was just handed to me, basically. Um, my oldest got a phone about the age of 10, um, which I still think is way too young. And my youngest, who is now 13, was given a phone about the age of seven, which we are now seeing that was way too young. Um, but my oldest, it was just an social media apps were just kind of a no. It was supposed to be for texting me and her dad. Right. Just like a personal device. Yeah. So she had a flip phone originally because she's a little bit older. And once she got an iPhone, of course, she wanted Facebook at the time. And then it was Instagram Mm. and then Snapchat and who knows what it is anymore. (laughs) Right. Right. TikTok, all the things. Yeah. Oh, TikTok. Yeah. And for a long time, the answer from her other parent was just no. Um, But what I learned is that she figured out how to just download it without their permission. Yeah. When she'd go back to her other parents' house, she would just delete it. Or then you could then you had folders. So she would just hide it in a folder. And I I didn't love that. Yeah. And so we're kind of lucky that we actually live around several influencers. And so we were like, do you want social media can be used for good? And so right. we wanted to teach our kids actually that these are tools that can be used for good, but they also can be used for bad. Right. But you get to choose how you use it. And so I think that's helped a lot with the older ones. With my youngest, I just feel like the screen time exposure has just been way too much, not monitored enough. And again, I only have so much say. Um, I only get to spend 50% of the time with him, so I only get to limit what that is on the other half. But even just sitting in the morning, eating breakfast, watching YouTube, I'm just like, take your freaking headphones off. Like, put that (laughs) stupid thing down. And so it's nice when we get an opportunity to, like, leave for a weekend. I'm just like, cell phones away. Or when we take our boat out, cell phones just go away. Right. Just go somewhere where there's no service. There's (laughs) just too much of it. I think the biggest thing is just too much. Yeah. And the second – and I'm guilty of this. The second you get bored, you just start scrolling. Right. Constant availability, instant gratification. I don't want to be bored. Yeah. And so many parents – we're terrified of our kids being bored. Like so many parents are like, if my kid's bored, he's going to burn the house down. Okay. He's going to find out something to do. He's going to break everything and it's going to be a disaster. But like the more we look into it and the more like we allow our kids to be bored, we find like, oh, I guess this isn't a horrible thing. Right. You you talk about this quite a lot, actually, Brooke, about kids being bored and the importance of that. Tell us a bit about your thoughts there. Yeah, no, I think it's something that we can all help ourselves and our kids figure out how to do. But we do have to be examples of it, which I'm totally guilty of. I think all of us are. Okay. Every single. I I don't head into the bathroom without my phone, like 99% of the time. Like, we're all guilty of that. But even just making conscious choices for us where our kids can see us, because I do think as they're looking at us, telling them to do something different while we're on our phones, like that, there is a disconnect there. Um, But I think giving them the opportunities to do that, especially in the summer, and for us not to panic when they're like, I have nothing to do or. And also giving them chances to fill that time in ways that they're excited about. I I think the world has changed a bit. And for us to mm-hmm. go from scheduling our kids all the time, plus them having screen time when they're bored, and then just expecting them to like cold turkey figure it all out right. is maybe that's, something that's, that's unreasonable. It's a little unreasonable. A lot unreasonable. So giving them options of things that don't include screens that they might like to do. And also some of the things that I found... I have, a, I have an interesting family where I have a five-year gap mm-hmm. between my third and my fourth, um, which means I've had to be a lot more engaged with my last one because he doesn't have brothers to right, play with. Right, right. Feels and like so, an old child. One of the things, I don't know if this is helpful, but finding a thing that we like to do together like has that. been really helpful for us. So it's something we do most days and it's our thing. And yeah. I wish I would have done it with the older kids, just kind of had a thing that we did. Yeah. What's your thing? Um, we just go out and 
he does basketball shots and I'm his rebounder. There you go. And it sounds funny, but it's like a great time for us to chat and talk. And if we haven't done it that day, I'm like, hey, let's go do our shots. And if you know, or he'll say, let's go do our shots. And it's been really awesome. And so I think finding things in your family that you can kind of create rhythms with Mm -hmm. so that you have something to do that doesn't involve a screen is helpful transitioning from we're constantly scheduled to actually we have nothing and I'm expecting you to figure it out for the next four hours. Right. Well, I like really like what you said that the world has changed a lot since like when 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 y'all were kids, when I was a kid, like it's changed so much. Like just playing with your friends when I was a kid, like, all right, hey, I'm going to go play with Buckwheat and Tom over here. And when the streetlights come come on, that's when I know it's time for me to come home for dinner. And now it's like, all right, well, I haven't checked your location yet in the past, you know, 15 minutes. I'm going to call the police. And, you know, it, we schedule out every aspect of their day. Um, but something that you said, Ashlyn, that I really liked was that teaching our kids to use these things for tools because unless you're Amish, these things aren't going anywhere, right? Technology is not going anywhere. We're going to have to accept it eventually. Might as well teach our kids how to use it instead of just one day when they get old enough to leave the home to college. Here's a supercomputer. Have fun with it. So how have you, how, how have you approached trying to teach your kids how to use it as a tool instead of this addictive device? Yeah. So don't get me wrong. We have had those unfortunate negative experiences as well where they haven't used them as the tool we prefer. But I think the biggest thing, especially with my oldest, is she's she's gone through a lot in Mm -hmm. her life. She's almost she'll be 20 next week and she'll do these TikToks that will go viral and she sees that it's normally something positive she's adding to people. I like that. And it's the ones that have more of like a negative maybe message to it. Those Mm -hmm. don't go as viral and so it's just using those opportunities of using the positive for good or even just like our kids will show us something and we're like do you think that like adds value to people or do you think that takes away from them using Um, it as a as as a teaching experience yeah and so we're just like my oldest she wants to do become a makeup artist i'm like cool start doing tiktoks about makeup rather than just like random things like see if you can get build a following about that or like our 16 year old loves football. Like so right. a ton of his content is football football related. videos. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just, it's using it for something that's exciting to them, but can serve others mm-hmm. rather than just the consuming is what right. I think is so hard. And it, it's, it's negative. Our right. other 16 year old, like, um, they take it really personal oh, and yeah. everything just kind of gets blown out of proportion. Like someone will be like, you have a big forehead. And it's like, who cares that they said that, but it becomes so personal. And so mm-hmm. it's also teaching them how to detach those feelings from, yeah. from what others are saying online. Cause I'm sure you've experienced plenty of not kind things and it's like, but is it true? Right. It doesn't matter. It can be so, so hard for kids, especially because social media in and of itself, I don't believe it's evil. I think it's a magnifying glass. It magnifies, amplifies what's already there. And for kids, there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of like, you know, self-insecurity and stuff like that. And so when they do a lot of consuming, they get super self-conscious about all the things they're already self-conscious about. And like it's even more so something that they're worried about. And I love what you said. How how about we try and raise creators instead of consumers? Yeah, Brooke. So I kind of want to go back a little bit to the being comfortable being bored I think the problem that I'm seeing with my youngest is that he is becoming less interested in things that he used to love doing right and so he's completely fine being bored because that's when he just wants to go sit on his phone or go play video games Mm. or go whatever 
And I have found that it is harder for kids to feel courage to go out and make a new friend or uh, have a relationship with a relationship with someone who is here and now as opposed to, you know, someone who's not close by. It feels a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we kind of started recognizing with him and started being a little bit concerned with. And so I think having talks with our kids and just saying, hey, how do you feel right now? Do you feel excited about things that you're involved in? Do you feel like you're accomplishing the things that you want to? And if not, how can we help you? Or what can what are things that you really enjoy doing that you haven't really been doing lately? And how can we help you, you know, accomplish right. that? Because my my youngest isn't driving yet. He loves to go to the gym. He loves to play basketball. And he we moved recently and we used to have a basketball court or not court, but it was on our driveway and now we don't. And so he's lost that. And so Mm -hmm. now he's like, Oh, I have to go outside of my comfort zone and maybe go ask a neighbor or go get a key to the church from someone. And he's a very much more introverted person. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of trying to recognize your child's personality and allowing them to be who they are without trying to change them because I'm allowing him, you know, I have some more introverted and some extroverted and allowing them to be who they are, but also challenging them a little bit and being like, Hey, but do you want to step out of your comfort zone a little bit? And how can I facilitate that to, to kind of push you to be a, a little bit more, you know, who you want to be. So that's what we're running into. And like I love Brooke's example that she's taking time every day with her son. I do think that that's something that can be challenging for moms when we're busy, but oh, yeah. I think the payoff is huge. And so that's an example to me. Maybe I need to go with him to a neighbor's house and rebound with him the basketball so that he isn't alone and listening to his AirPods or whatever right. the whole time. I love that. Well, I love what you said too to talk about it, communicate with your kids about it. So many of us, I assume all of us, try to put restrictions on our kids in some way, shape, or form to help protect them from the dangers of social media. But none of those restrictions do any bit of good if we don't talk about it. If we don't talk about why the restrictions are there. If we don't talk about, okay, why can't I use X, Y, and Z? Why can't I be on my phone past 10 p.m.? You know, stuff like that. How is it, what has your guys' experience been I don't know, trying to put restrictions and parameters in place to protect your kids, Valerie. Well, so that question pretty much is what led us giving our 12-year-old a smartphone. Mm -hmm. He had a phone prior that was purely talking text, but I felt like I had no control over it. I had no idea how many text messages he sent, how long he had been texting, and so I just felt like... He was at a point that I wanted to have more control. I wanted to see the screen time. So that generated us giving him a smartphone and he gave his talking text phone to his younger sister. Mm. And his younger sister is in a a situation where, so she's a dancer and her dance group is all older than her. Mm. She is the youngest one on her team. They are all in middle school. She's still in elementary school. They all have Instagram and stuff. Probably. I have no idea. (laughs) But they, 
she feels very left out already mm-hmm. because she's the only one in elementary school. Man, how do you even talk about that? Oh, it's constant. And she's the type that, I mean, even yesterday, I was looking at her phone and reading through some of her text messages. And we had the conversation of, you don't need to text people when you're bored. You know, it's the constant, what are you doing? Hi, with like 10 eyes. <laughs> and I'm just like, you don't. I'm so guilty of that, guys. Oh, my goodness. I've done, I did that so much in high school. Okay, man. And so I had that conversation. Like, when you're bored, you have to learn that you don't turn to your phone. Right. And she, in it's her hard. sassy 10-year-old, was like, oh, mom, everything's a lesson with you. <laughs> and I was like, for, knew I was Yes, young Padawan, this. it is. And I'm like. Okay, um, maybe I take a different approach. Maybe I keep doing this. I don't know. Um, but so, like, that was my experience with our 12-year-old is I don't know everything. Right. That's something as parents we have to accept. We don't know it all. Like, we, and we're not going to know it all. We're going to do our best. We're going to try our best. We're going to set parameters and everything. You're not going to learn it all. Your kids are going to have bumps and bruises and hiccups along the way. They're going to screw up. You're going to screw up. And that's that's how we live and learn with our lives, you know. One of the things that I feel like with restrictions, um, I think they're super necessary for younger kids and and having baby steps. Um, as kids get older, I think those who want to have some parameters in their life will honor the restrictions. They're oh, enough yeah. to like they're little gatekeepers. Like, oh, yeah. you know what? If I want to put this on my phone, I got to circumvent some things and and I don't care enough. I really want to keep rules. I like that in my life. But for those who are not interested in keeping rules, there are there is a way around pretty much anyone, everything. Ev- ev- anyone so, and everyone. So I really I I highly suggest especially the beginning times having all kinds of restrictions. Oh yeah. You know, making sure that they don't have access but in addition to all the talks about why, why, I mean, I don't want you, you know, one of the things I always say to my kids is you are not ready to make all those decisions. You are not ready to see all that you will be able to see. You're not. And and I'm your parent. Like, I'm not going to do that to you. That's cruel. That would be cruel of me to say, here's the entire world at 13. I hope you can navigate it on your own. Like never want that to be the case. Right. Um, and then being aware of like Brooke said, like personalities, like are you the kid who is going to rebel and find a way anyway? And maybe we have to approach it differently with you. I've had kids who are super, super happy to keep rules. I've had even older kids who come to me and say, I thought I was ready for this app and I'm not. So can you take it off? Really? And I've taken it off and it's been awesome. You You're know? like, yes. Yeah. I mean, some, <laughs> some. And then I've literally had other kids who are like, I'll show you and get a burner phone and right, have no right. idea what's going on. So it's nothing about excellent parenting. It's so much about who the kids right. are. Um, right. And I think we maybe missed in that older generation having all the conversations. Yes, we did. Along okay. with. All right. Along with the restrictions. Like we were hoping to, that was enough. I'm about to hop on a horse right here. So talking about like not talking about the things. Okay. I was raised in the 90s, right? I was born in 1993, so I just I'm 30 now. Um and the word pornography, the word sex, nope, you don't say that and nope, that was a scary facet the pornography word. It was usually I it usually was heard just at church and it was talking about the 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 evil people who how that would ever view such a thing. Um and and sex was never 
ever, ever spoken because if we say that word, that, that we're, we're going to go off and start making babies or something. And oh my goodness, like I'm learning now that it's so important to talk about the things. So like, how do we, I don't know. We're the ones who have emotion to those words, pornography, sex. We're the ones who have emotion tied to that because of the way we're up, you know, living in Utah, the way we're brought up, removing the emotions from those so that we can talk about those things in an age appropriate way, of course, with our kids, having those talks with our kids and not tying all that emotion to it. So our kid isn't afraid to say, you know, someone showed me pornography at school and you, you know, I looked away and stuff, but it still made me feel really gross. And they're, you, they feel comfortable enough to talk to us about that. I, I, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts here? How do we navigate that? So we've had a lot of experience with this. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Enlighten. Um, one thing my husband always reminds me of is this preference or principle. So I always like start with that foundation. Okay. Um, but the second thing is our kids have to trust our response and trust our reaction mm-hmm. in order to keep that open communication. Oh, yeah. So there have been a lot of moments that our kids have told us stuff yeah. that we're just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just told your mom that. Like inside I am dying, but on the surface, like I am just not reacting. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna we'll, we'll navigate X, Y, Z. Oh, yeah. They're always happen. testing the waters. Always. They They'll be like, so Johnny, he cheated on his test. And you're like, oh my goodness, if that was my child, you would be six feet under. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. guess what? I'm not gonna talk to mom about. Yeah. So we had a situation, I think it was maybe two years ago now, where a girl was sending inappropriate pictures mm. to her boyfriend and her boyfriend decided to share those with others. Oh, great. And so fortunately, unfortunately, I don't Not know. Great. My <laughs> son was the recipient of some of those pictures. Oh, no. And he immediately showed me and my husband and everyone else in the car and was like, so-and-so just sent me to this. Like, I can't, like, I can't believe I did not do this. I did not do this. And this is what's interesting is I, so we had a conversation about like, uh-huh. it's not appropriate. Like, you need to delete it. You don't reshare those things. You don't acknowledge it. You don't have conversations about that. And in the moment, we probably should handle it a little bit differently. Um, we learned after the fact. Right. Um, but this girl and several other boys got in huge trouble about a week later when the administration at the school found Uh-oh. Out. Yeah. And our kid was the only one that didn't because he had actually – we were the only parents that were aware of this, these pictures. Uh-huh. And they just said, we feel that since he was responsible enough to have this conversation with you guys – we're going to go ahead and he's not going to have any consequences oh my because goodness. of how he responded to it. I love that. But it was one of those situations where I was just like, oh, it like killed me that I was like, I can't believe these things are happening. And looking back, I wish I probably would have approached the mom of the daughter that was sending right. them. Right. But like, did you, you know? know? And that's, you don't want to be the parents. Like, did you know your daughter's sending these pictures? Because I'm going, I would want to know if that was my right. kid. Like, I would be super right. disappointed, but I would want to know. Right. How do we How do we want that broken to us? We've had situations where there was inappropriate Snapchat, Snapchats happening, and mm-hmm. I had reached out to the mom because I was like, I would want to know. Yeah. And the response was not what I expected. She was very protective, which right. I understand. Right. Um, but it was unfortunate. It was kind of a learning lesson for me that I was like, okay, not every parent is open to that because I'm a believer. I'm like, I'm sure – Everyone has a part in it. And so we just need to take our own responsibility. Yeah. 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 yeah, Brooke. So I feel really strongly that when our kids come to us, that we are loving and that we are accepting kind of like what Ashlyn was saying and that we don't freak out. But I had a situation where I believe algorithms are our gift. Because we can get on our kids' phones and we can get on their YouTube or their whatever and obviously limits on those things. But 
when you get on those, and that's how I found out about it, but it will show you an algorithm of the things that they are looking at. Right. And so that is a gift. And as parents, I do think we need to be checking our kids' phones and having conversations right. with them. But I really feel strongly that, I mean, I've done it both ways, trust me. And I, the times when I've been like, you're grounded, you your phone's being taken away, all of that, like, I can tell you that does not solve the problem. It makes no. them hide. So yep. I just think we need to go about it in a very loving very understanding way and just say hey what was going on for you how can i help what do you think would help you be able to right kind of not look at those things right it's so true shame breeds secrets you know if we shame our kids into obeying things sure they might like obey to our face and then like they will turn into ninjas when it comes to technology one of their like really simple ways that everyone listening all y'all kids know about this. I'm not, this is nothing new to them, just to you. Um, if you don't know this already, those of you listening, um, with screen time, if, if it's set up to where you don't have to put in a passcode to change things, mm-hmm. um, your kid's just going to go in and change their time zone to Beijing so they can be on their phone for an extra 14 hours. Um, one very small, simple way of the many ways that kids can just ninja around things if we don't talk about it. Well, going back to what Brooke was saying about algorithms as a gift, one of the things that I think is so important is to teach our kids how to train their algorithm to see what they want want to see. Yeah. And what I like to remind kids and parents is the things that are shocking are going to keep our eyeballs on them, even if we don't want to. You see a naked person, no matter how good you are, you're going to be like interested in that. You see... If you're a girl and you like are interested in your body and you see someone that's talking about how to lose weight, you're to stay on there even if you actually don't have an eating disorder. But the algorithm is going to pick up on what our eyeballs stay on. Yep. And they're going to show us more and more of that. And so one of the things that I feel really strongly about is teaching them like even if you think you might be slightly interested, swipe up on everything you're not and then stay on the things that you are. So if it's like a great quote or, you know, a coach that you really enjoy or football plays that you're interested yeah. in. Stay on that for a long time and use everything in your power to get quickly past the things that are not what you'd like or to click the not interested or whatever. Helping them understand if they're going to be on social media, helping them understand how to use it well. Right. That's that's a really good thing, because honestly, a lot of we most of us are really good about talking about the dangers of it all and everything. But when it comes to actually teaching them how to use it, how to use the algorithm, how to use it, you know, for your advantage and how to teach parents to not fear the algorithm. Like, yes, use it as a gift, but also as a tool. It is That is data gathering for you. You can look at there and see, okay, here's what's going on. Um, I, I made a fictitious Instagram and TikTok account. I said I was 14. I didn't put a picture or anything. Um, and it had, it had zero information about me. Like, so there's nothing to put on the For You page except for stuff that would just be catered towards a young man, you know, 14 year old. And granted, it was mostly inappropriate videos with, uh, you know, half naked girls dancing and stuff. But there was a lot of like, like eventually it got down to sports stuff. And like the longer I spent on appropriate things, the less the inappropriate things were in my For You page. Now, that being said, the people who are out there, the people we don't trust, you know, with our kids, they will try and find our kids, you know, and so having, you know, conversations with her kids about what to do in those situations when you run into pornography, when you run into predators and things like that, so that when they do experience it in the wild, so speak, they're not just, you know, swimming in a shark infested lands like they kind of know what to do. 
it's not fear-based, but it, you know, it's, it's coming from knowledge and education so that, you know, they're ready for it when it comes. Cause when it comes time, they're going to be on their own eventually, right? Their kids in college or out of the house, they're going to be on their own. And it's like, what habits have we instilled in them to help them do that? Yeah. And are you seeing what you want to see? Yeah. Like they, it, it is such a tool if you want to use it right. that way. I mean, right. I don't see naked people on my feed like nope. ever because I've not been interested in that. But you got to train because they'll go for the easiest thing to keep your eyes on there because mm-hmm. eyes mean money. I have a funny illustration of that. Ooh, tell Literally us. like two days ago, I was scrolling and there was a, an ad for a super, super cute uh, outfit for a pregnant girl. And I was like, Oh, that is so cute. I wish so badly that they came up with those things when I was pregnant. (laughs) Why do pregnant girls look so cute now? And I was in a tent and I was looking and I scrolled through all of them. I cannot tell you how many maternity ads I I was going to say. You're targeted ads. So so (laughs) then I had to go in and say, this is not, I'm not interested in this. (laughs) Swipe out. But it just cracked me up. It was like a really funny example of how quickly that algorithm can switch to what it thinks you're interested in. So like Brooke is saying, like if you sit there on a picture of a naked person or even someone that's really suggestive, like it will think that that is what you want. Well, and our phones are always listening to our kids, even when we are not, you know, like when, when they're at school, they, you know, our phones, hear the stuff that the kids talk about inappropriate things a lot at school you know they you know especially if they're in if your phone is in earshot of an entire school your phone's gonna hear some inappropriate things and look at the targeted ads come case in point so hulu hears us always and know all our targeted ads are like that well me and my wife it took us a while to be able to have our first kid and so we talked a lot about trying to have kids. Okay. Well, <clears throat> well, later on down the road, when we we're trying for number two, it didn't take near as long, but our first kid, he's like two and a half years old. And so we were, we were watching a show on Disney plus. No, it wasn't. It was, it was Hulu. And an ad comes up for like condoms and birth control and all this stuff. And my wife's like, Oh my goodness, what's going on? I'm like, well, we've been talking about this a lot actually. So <laughs> I'm like, not surprised that we see this, but we don't want to, but she's like, no, our two year old's right there. I'm like, well, it's lucky you can't remember much right now, I guess. But, <laughs> but our phones are always listening. Even, even when we're not necessarily right there, they're, they're always listening. Yeah. So moving forward, how do you guys approach like, I don't know when, when something new is introduced, let's say a new platform, a new app, something like that. Like when TikTok came out back in 2019, 2020 era and everyone and their dog was like, I want this. I'm going to get on it. How did you guys approach learning about it and everything like that? Well, yeah. Um, I think for me personally, like it was just downloading the app myself and exploring mm. as much as I could, creating content that might be relatable to their ages mm-hmm. and seeing what am I getting targeted on? How is this okay. working? And I mean, almost all of our kids have TikTok now. Again, like you can find the good, you can find the bad. It's training the algorithms and using them to your advantage. And like you had mentioned, like walking down, if you haven't been in a high school or a junior high recently, like my mind is blown about the things they talk about. And (laughs) I'm like, I was 30 something before I knew that was. And half the time I still have to Google what my kids are talking about. I'm like, why are we talking about that? And then after you Google it, mm, (laughs) yeah, uh, related searches. mm, I I think it goes back to just, having that open communication that whether you like what 
they're telling you or not. Yeah. Just letting them be okay with talking to you and yeah. then, and dealing with the situation as it actually needs to be. Cause it's so easy to be the parent that was, I was raised with a, because I said so there was never <laughs> a reason. And so I try to really be the parent that's like, do I actually have a reason? Our 16 year old wanted her belly button pierced. Do I love it? No. But did I actually have a reason to say no? Like, right. No, I just, I didn't Principle like it. Principle or preference. Yeah. It was a preference for me. So she did it even though I don't like it. And it's, it's okay. <laughs> right. Well, I think when we give our kids just a little bit of autonomy and choices and like, like, like we said, parenting that way, like there's no right versus wrong. I'm not going to say that, but I will say some, when kids have more choices, they're more often, they're going to, they're going to choose the best of the, the lesser of two evils. Basically when they have no choice, then they're just going to rebel. There's no choice here. I'm going to rebel and I'm going to, out of spite, choose the thing that you do not like because you're not giving me any choices here. Brooke, you look like you're going to say something. Oh, I don't know if I am. Uh, I think it's different maybe with teenage boys. They don't they didn't really care much about TikTok. What bothered them was to see how the girls were with ah. TikTok and how much they were on it. And they just were like they'd like, go hang out with their <laughs> girlfriends and all they cared about was looking at tiktok videos and what's funny is tiktok was pretty new when my oldest was a senior in high school mm -hmm. and maybe that is when it was brand new and uh my son's girlfriends their moms wouldn't let them have it and then when they turned 18 or when they graduated high school magically. they were all of a sudden magically able to have it but i went on my son's senior trip with him and there were 18 graduated high school kids and like girls and boys and what was interesting to me was watching the girls watch tiktok and i don't know i actually don't know much about it now because none of my kids have it but my watching these girls look at tiktok i can tell you what they were saying was oh that girl's so pretty i wish i was mm. that pretty look at i wish i could dance like that or i wish and it was i just saw like an immediate uh, obsession with these people on TikTok and how perfect they are. And, mm -hmm. and that was a concern for me. So I for sure have talked to my boys about that. And I've talked to other teenage girls about that. And just like, girls, you know that that stuff is fake. You know that they're, uh, you know, doing filters and you know right. this, right? Like, please, I've heard other girls in my home say, Oh, I, sh I wish I was that pretty. And you know, I just am like, girls, come on, you know, that's fake. Right. Like, it breaks your heart. Know that that is fake. And so that's my biggest concern is teaching our kids. If they do have those apps, learning how to distinguish between what is real and what is fake. And right. just most of it is really fake. Well, and ha yeah, like helping them realize like, what you see on social media, that is the very polished bits of some very messy lives. And like, don't don't think that they look like that or act like that I all the time. I say it's curated content. Yeah. Like, they literally created this to put it in front of you. It's not there every day. Like they've spent hours getting ready or hours editing. Like it's curated. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What about you, Valerie? Well, I think it's go to your question of what do we what do we do with right. new apps? Yeah. And maybe I should preface this to say we aren't we're at a spot that our kids don't have 
very much. We don't have video games in our home. We, my oldest, he has Be Real and the new Journal by Laps. Those are the only social media things that okay. our kids currently have that I'm aware of. Um, and we are very hesitant. Um, but I also, on the flip side of that, I worry that, you know, we're looking at our son who's a sophomore. You know, he's going to leave home in f- a few short years. Is he going to be ready? Mm-hmm. You know, or is it going to be like consumed by fire hose because now I'm an adult and I can do whatever I want? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how I feel with video games, too. It's actually a great debate in our home because my husband is very much against and I'm going. But because we don't have it, we're not talking about it. Right. So then when our kids go to someone else's home and they play a game that we wouldn't have in our own home, they don't know because we're not talking We've never about, talked it. about it. So they're. There is a tricky balance. I mean, our kids don't have Safari on their phone. Right. I think our oldest is entering a point that maybe that's more of a hindrance than a restriction. Like, mm-hmm. he, he will have, you know, I'm recalling right now, that he has to sign up for some college credit with one of his classes. He can't do it. He has to send it to me and say, Mom, can you do this? I look at it. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with that. <laughs> so we need to do that together. But guess what? Life is busy and we don't sit down to do it. It's been at least five days since he sent that and we haven't done it. So there is, I feel like it's constant like checking in, not only with our kids, but also with us. Yeah. Like I love that preference over principle. I bet most of the things that I tell my kids about is probably preference because that's how we were raised. I was the exact same way. I was a preference person, but then I didn't realize how much it was affecting our kids. Right. Definitely. And like, and I think about like our oldest who's in high school right now. And I've had just a little bit like walking the halls of just like you are in this every day. And I heard something recently that has just stuck with me of just our kids are marinating in this world that they go to every day. And so I know for us, when we would go home from school and we wouldn't have a you know, 99% connection with people at school and we got that break, we got that disconnect, like it kind of helped us reset. And our kids don't get that. I mean, mm. group texts nowadays, it, it blows my mind. Like we used to have a restriction of no phones on Sunday. Right. When our oldest came to us and he's like, mom, like, and anyway, he just told us kind of how he felt. So we were trying to work with him. But like they have over 300 text messages in a day. Oh, yeah. That is crazy to me. Oh, and yeah. it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so well, I think, too, that um, helping our kids understand the why and helping us understand the why can move it from a preference to a principle. Like when you really like dig in, but it it makes you think about it. And one of the things for me is with all of the things I think a principle for us is living is living your life and not living it online. Yeah. So that is a principle, which means we're not going to have access to as many apps because I don't care who you are. They're going to waste your time. It means we're still going to have screen time on our phones, me included. Yes. Do I bypass screen time sometimes? Absolutely. But like we're trying like we, I guess part of that too is like being willing to fight the good fight, not just like raising the white flag and saying, this is how it is. Because I've seen people do it differently. I've seen people do it better. I've seen certain kids of mine embrace that idea. Some are like, 
I love this. And it's way harder. Like I have one kid who didn't even want to touch a video game and another one who uses it as his unwinding time. And we've had to have a lot of conversations about that where we all unwind somehow. Mm-hmm. If he wants to do it on a video game, we need to be okay with that for our family, not for your family, you know? But like other, you know, I was, some kids like unwind by watching sports. Would I prefer that he unwinded watching sports? Probably. But like, is it necessarily better than him gaming with some friends online? I don't know. Like, I'm not sure, but he's enjoying that. And we're willing to say like, here's an amount of time. And what we've seen is when online life takes over real life, kind of like what you were talking about, Brooke, that's when it's a problem. And it's a problem for us too. Like when my online life takes over my real life, that's a problem. And so those are principles, I think. But it takes a lot of work to say, so what what is the principle? Why am I saying no to this app right Right. now? Is the principle like you are someone who is really influenced by other people in the way they look. You're having a hard time loving yourself for who you are. So we're not doing TikTok right now. Because every time you look at TikTok, you like yourself less. And a principle of mine is for you to feel good about who you are. So that's going to go away for a little bit until you kind of get a handle on who you are. And so I love the idea of principle versus preference and embracing the idea that there are a lot of principles behind preferences and kind of discovering what those are. Well, would you agree that that will be different for every kid? One million percent. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. When you have a kid who is prone to being addicted to video games, Mm -hmm. that looks a lot different from a kid who enjoys unwinding through video games for an hour. And, And that's one of the hardest parts about parenting is that it is a new game for every single kid. Well, and it feels like it's constantly changing. Like as soon as you think, okay, we got this, things are going well, it's like, oh, don't no, you dare say that out loud because then, this, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, we can thank our kids for being completely and brutally honest to us when we make mistakes. Oh yes, I can especially oh, thank yes. mine. But I was talking to my oldest son a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "What can I do to get this son uh, more interested in?" going out and doing things and making friends and stuff like that. And he goes, mom, it's your fault. (laughs) And I'm like, naturally, naturally do tell. And he's like, well, you made video games so, uh, bad and so wrong that then he wanted it more. Right. And I was like, Oh, okay. Thanks for sharing. And I said, I do feel like I've gotten better on that. And he said, I agree. I feel like so back in the day, uh, I would say you can only play video games on the weekends. So mm-hmm. I'm fine if you play only on the weekends and only for X amount of time or whatever. Well, then they would sit downstairs or sit, you know, where the video games are and watch the other brothers play for their allotted time. <laughs> or they would never want to go do anything on the weekends. Like as a family, like we went to Bear Lake one time for the evening and the, one of my sons just didn't even go, which is mind blowing for me. I'm like, how would you not want to go hang out at Bear Lake? He wanted to stay home and play video games because it was a weekend. Right. And so, you know, like I do feel like I've improved as far as, OK, that didn't work. What I do, I feel like it's trial and error 100%. and you kind of see what is working. And if it's not working, you tweak it a little bit. Yeah. I've become a little bit less controlling and I have said, hey, you know. Go play. But then after a while, I'm like, okay, I think it's time. It's been time. Like you've been playing long enough or you've been on your phone long enough. Let's find something else to do. And I feel like when I'm not telling them exactly what they are allowed to do all Mm -hmm. the time, 
it's more a discussion and it's more a, hey, don't you think it's time to go find something else to do? And yeah. so that has worked for me. Have I made mistakes a million times? Yes. And my kids have made sure to tell me. Oh, yes. Boys. Yes. So a lot of it goes back to like each kid's personality, right? And I call this my cheat code. Um, learning your kids' any Enneagrams and their energy types. Yeah. Because the way they respond or absorb information mm-hmm. is so differently. Yeah. So I have a son that's a type four that's like my husband. So if I come at him with energy or emotion... He is just going to shut down or lash out like that. Mm. Right. Yep. But I'm a type three. Like I'm all energy. I'm all. Right. Right. So I've just had to learn like I have to talk to him so differently than maybe I have to talk to one of my daughters or another son. And I to me, that's just been a cheat code I've learned over the last few years of how how do I approach this specific child? Well, and parenting, I mean, that's all it is. Right. Trial and error. Mostly error. And then we figure out like how how do we go? A lot of people ask like, okay, at what age should I give my kid this X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, there is no one size fits all. I mean, we have our generic, you know, recommendations, you know, having a dumb phone or like a gab phone or something from like, you know, a personal device of some sort until they're a tween. And then when they're a tween, give them a device, then you can have like social media on your phone and they can use it there to kind of train them. And then as they get older, you know, eventually switch to a smartphone someday, but that's not going to work for every single kid. Every single kid's going to be different and you're going to have to figure it out along the way. And it just goes back to just try. Find what works. Well, and I think that's so important because there's this ideal, right? Like, yes, is the ideal that your kid's going to come to you and tell you what they need and what they're struggling with and all that. But that's not always going to be the case for different kids. So no. sometimes it's sometimes it's rewards. Sometimes it is time restrictions. Some That works really well for some kids where you put the timer up and they use the time and they're mm-hmm. like, okay, now I can be done for other kids. That just feels so difficult. You know, like yeah. I have a kid that's motivated by money and we use that a lot. I had three others that weren't, so that never worked. But sometimes I'm like, oh, should I do this? I'm like, it's working. Like it's, yeah. it's working. And we all, I think sometimes we think kids it ain't should broke, be, don't fix it. Well, and we think kids should be so different. Right. But there's adults who are like, I'm going to work. So I'm going to make money. There's other adults who are like, I'm going to go work because I feel fulfilled by work. The others are like, I'm going to work because I'm doing something important. And and it's okay. I think sometimes as as parents and as people in general, we're like, well, this is the ideal. This is what we want our kids to do. This is how we want them to feel. Mm-hmm. And if you look at adults who are all really awesome, they're all motivated by different things. They all yep. communicate differently. Yep. They all have different energies. And so being able to like change and mold and do what's best for your kid is just so important. Yeah. Yeah. I want all your parents who are listening right now who are like slightly freaking out a little bit. It's okay. Chill. Like it's going to be okay. You're going to screw up. So is your kid and you're going to roll with the punches. You're going to figure it out. You're going to apologize a few million times in the next year and it's going to be okay. Um, wow. This has been such a good talk, ladies. I've had so much fun just listening to your guys' experience. I'm a very young father. I have my oldest is a five-year-old. But I'm also a high school counselor. And so I'm around, I'm in charge of 350 teenagers every single year. Um, and so I feel like I've been looking after teenagers for a long time. When in reality, my own kids, you know, barely even old enough to, you know, tie their own shoes now. And so it's nice. It's, it's really beneficial to me hearing all this from you guys so I can learn too. So thank you guys for coming here today. Um, before we part ways, does anyone have any last bits of anything they want to share with the world before we take off? I would just say, I think sometimes we can't get, we parent out of fear. Oh. 
and yep. we're scared what they might see or what they might do. Mm-hmm. And when we're parenting from a place of fear, I think that's what will hurt a relationship. Yep. hundred percent. hundred percent. Well, there you go, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Save the Kids podcast. Um, if you would like to follow any of these awesome ladies, the ones who are followable anyway, um, <laughs> we'll put their stuff in the podcast description as well. If you want us, Save the Kids, to come to your church community event, whatever it might be, um, there's a speaker form in the podcast description that you can click on to bring us to your community. Uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram at Save the Kids Inc. And always remember... You are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.